Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. Bibles to Ecclesiastes, we're, we're continuing in our series called Vanity of Life Under the Sun, and we've been, is it five weeks or six, six five, five weeks now, I believe, into this? Has anybody enjoyed it this far? I, please? Yeah? Okay, good. <laughs> if not, I'm just going to close this up and we can leave early, so... Uh, now it's it is a it is a difficult book at times, um, but I'll tell you. Somebody asked me earlier today how my week went, and I said, "Ah, eh, well, actually, not that great." And and it's refreshing to be able to say that at times. I think sometimes we need to pause when somebody asks you how you're doing in the church, and just be honest, right? Too many times we slap our Christian face, and everything's great, and put the smile on, and. Yeah, everything's wonderful, you know, when it's not. Everything's on fire in your world, and you'd be good to talk to somebody. So I appreciate Ecclesiastes because of the the rawness of it, the realness of it. Uh, We would call it gritty, if you will. Uh, It's just real, right? And that's one thing, I mean, not just Ecclesiastes, but the Bible in general, it's got some very difficult portions, doesn't it? It's not all bells and roses and, you know, pink elephants or something. It's, it's challenging. And you see kind of the difficult things, and you've got to work through those. And it's encouraging, though, to know that God is still sovereign, <clears throat> that God is still in control, even through the challenges and the, uh, the difficult times that life brings and for me, it's, it's just been an encouragement, and I hope it has to you as well, that your questions and those difficult seasons are, it's, it's just part of life. And it's, I don't want to say it's normal, but it is in one sense, but that there is hope. And there's some of you here today, I believe, that need to understand and to hear that and to get that. It sounds very simple, but I want you to know that, that with God, there is always hope. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're going through, I can't say it's going to be a short season or a long season that you're going to go through, but I can promise you that there's hope. There's always hope in Christ. And I'm reminded as we get ready to go into uh, chapter 3 here, I grew up in uh, the U.S. in a a northern uh, state called Michigan, surrounded by a lot of farm fields. I spent most of my time running through corn stalks and, and just through woods and potato fields and all this stuff. And, and it was always interesting because, you know, it was very obvious that even though I was a child, I, I was oblivious to kind of the, the seasons, but the farmers really understood and knew what was happening. Um, I mean, they, you know, they'd be out there. I'm like, why are they out there on this day just plowing the fields? You know, it seems like a great day to do something else, but they knew that certain things had to go into the ground at a certain time to reap the harvest when they needed to, right? And then it was always interesting before, you know, before it got really cold, they would start to harvest and they'd be out there harvesting. And when they started harvesting, I mean, they would be out there like all night long in these tractors and these trucks and pulling all the stuff. And I mean, a field would just be, by the next morning would be completely empty, but they knew that the cold weather was coming and that if they wanted that harvest to be to be brought in that they needed to get it finished. They understood the seasons, and because of that, they were able to, to uh, understand that when they planted seed, did they go back the next day and look for a plant to harvest? No, they understood it took time, right? And so seasons and time and this idea, that's really what we're going to be getting into today, and understanding that in life, 
as many of us probably realize and, and have realized at this point in life, that life is, is full of seasons. Sometimes you're on the mountaintop looking down. <laughs> Other times you're under the mountain, right? In the valley, you're looking up a very steep climb or somewhere in between. And understand, again, it's, it's, if you've lived for a minute here on this earth, you know, somebody told me once that, you know, most things in life are not going to kill you. The wrong end of a gun might kill you. But most things in life will not kill you. And I say that having gone through very good, difficult seasons in my life as well. And there were times where I felt like I could die. And I say that with all honesty. Like, I do not know how I can go even another moment, let alone another week or another month. But to grasp the idea and to know that this is a season, that God is faithful and that God is leading us through to the other side. And he'll do the same for you. We've been, again, in this, in this series for a while, and I just want to just touch base very quickly before we begin chapter 3. At the very beginning, in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, we really get kind of the thesis, if you will, of the whole book of Ecclesiastes. And he kind of switches it up, in my opinion. So what I want to do is I just want to read verse 3 and then read verse 2. And so verse 3 says, What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? And then in verse 2 is his answer. It's vanity of vanities. It's all like vapor. He says, the preacher, he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. All is meaningless, as some translations say. And so here is this question, like, what is the purpose? What is the reason? And, and so we are continuing. And so we're going to see that kind of continue to be dealt with and wrestled with as we go into Ecclesiastes 3. If you will, the first two chapters were sort of a one act where this this we're looking at from the perspective of King Solomon at things. And now it seems to be a shift to, to someone else. And, and while it's the same author, but they're speaking from a different perspective now. And so as we begin this, um, just want to give you a quick little bit of information. Back in April, on April 22nd, I preached a message from this first part of Ecclesiastes. So if you want to check that out, you can do that. Um, and so I want to we're not going to just breeze through it, but I'm going to get through this because if you look up Ecclesiastes chapter 3, you're going to find about a million sermons on the first eight verses of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Probably people that can preach it better than me. Maybe a few. But uh, there's... Just kidding. Um, but those first eight verses, everybody's preaches the first eight. And so what I want to do for us today, if it's okay and you'll allow me to, is I want to, I'll go through the first eight, but I want to get to the other side of that and go through the rest of Ecclesiastes 3 because nobody ever touches this stuff for some reason. So I want to get to that. And so um, as we begin, I'll just begin reading. And again, if any of you have been around for a minute, you know there's a song out there, I believe it's by the birds, I think, that is Ecclesiastes 3 in song version. My wife asked me not to play the song because I always want to do that whenever I deal with this part of scripture and everybody does that. So you can check that out for yourself. So as I read through, you feel free to sing along or just listen or read. All right. So in verse one of chapter three, it says, for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. And let's just pause there for a moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I once again just thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it's active and that it's, it speaks to our hearts and it changes us. And God, I just pray that your word will go forth today that it will, again, penetrate to the depths of our being, and it will change those areas that need to be changed, and, and God, that we will be willing, Lord, just to surrender those areas to you. And God, speak to us today through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So, verse 2 here is really the a very important verse, and kind of, this is basically, it's a poem that, that's going, he's going through. And in verse 2, it's, it's, 
it kind of bookends the whole thing. There's a time to be born and there is a time to die. All right. We can pretty much say everything else falls in between those two bookends. Can we agree on that? All right. There's a time that we're born and there's a time that it doesn't matter how hard we try. There is a time we're going to have to cross through this thing called death. We're going to have to experience that. There is no getting around it. And so everything that's in here is really bookended by this statement. And in these first few uh, verses in two and three, it, it talks about really life and death. Again, it's time to plant, right? There's a time to, to plant, and then there's a time to, to harvest that or to take that life, if you will. There is a time to kill and a time to heal, all right? There's a time to break down and to build up. So you have this, again, these contrasts. And what you're going to see as we go through these different comparisons and these different opposite, these opposite ends, if you will, you're going to see that sometimes it's the positive thing in the front and sometimes it's the negative thing in the front. And we were, I was talking to somebody earlier, we were joking around, like, I think he did that on purpose. So if we just try to take one column of the list, we're still going to get both sides, right? And so it's, uh, it's something for us to take note of. And, and as we continue in verse 4, it says there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And really to me, I mean, this is life, right? This is life. We can all recognize, I mean, I don't know if you've ever gone to a funeral and walked up front and started dancing. Anybody? No, okay. So you're okay, you're normal, all right? Because that would be strange and it would be disrespectful, right? Because we understand that the season that we're in, whether it's your loss or perhaps you didn't actually know the person, but you knew someone in that family, and so out of respect, you've come to that funeral. Is your world in a season maybe of loss right now? Maybe not. But you understand the season that those people are in. And so you recognize that I'm coming into this place and this is a time probably to weep and to mourn because of people are weeping and mourning because of loss, because of the season they're in. And it's being able to recognize seasons of life that we are in, but also others. Verse five, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. The stone idea is, is it comes from uh, harvesting basically and back in the day they didn't have huge machines as you can imagine and so they would go through and they'd actually have to pick up stones and move them out of the way to clear a field to, to clear a place to be able to plant crops and so then there's so there's times to do that there's times to gather stones to embrace to refrain from embracing verse six a time to seek and a time to lose a time to keep and a time to cast away and as I read those statements, you know, it's, I really think about relationships, relationships. And uh, again, this was a while back, we preached a message about necessary endings. And some of us need to understand that at time, there are times in life that we need to let go of certain relationships. There are people whom we are in relationship, friendship or whatever it is, that probably maybe isn't the best thing. If you've ever, if you've had children or have been around children and that they get around that certain child, that other child, and they start acting crazy, like they have no home training, it, you're kind of like, well, that might not be the best relationship. You both ended up in jail. That might not be the best relationship to pursue. Okay, And it is difficult at times, but there are times when it's just best that we, we let go of certain relationships. There are times when we're hanging on to something that maybe doesn't need to be held on to, and we're working too hard to try to save something that's not savable at that point. Verse 7 says, A time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Some of us need to get this more than others. <laughs> there are times that we should speak 
And then there are a lot of times where it's better just to keep your mouth closed for the sake of everyone. <laughs> I've been in situations and in my life and, you know, we all have those people, whether it's a friend, typically it's a relative because you're stuck with that person because they're related. And you go somewhere and you can see it coming, right? You see it, somebody says something and like, oh, please don't, please don't, please don't, please don't. Don't look at your spouse right now. Just look here. So you're please don't, please don't. And, and boom, there it goes, right? It's just, it's gone. You're just like, no. You want to just grab it out of the air. And there it goes. And you're standing there and you're like, wow, I really wish they would have read Ecclesiastes and understood that it's okay not to speak at times. And so there is, again, we need to understand that there are times. There's times to voice things. There's times, you know, to say the hard words. But other times, you just, just stay silent. It's okay. It's okay. That's for two people here today. Verse 8. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And I, um, I studied this up a little bit here in verse 8, this, this love and hate. And, uh, and I found that actually it kind of it goes back to, if you remember when we went through 1 John, and I've spoke about this before, about this word hate. And what did hate mean? Because it tells you, remember in, in the Gospels, it tells you, you know, you should hate your family. Okay? And what does that mean exactly? And I, I explained, you know, really the, the word is basically means to love less. All right, do you remember that a few people? And to love less, you know, we're not supposed to hate in the sense of hating someone. We hate sin, but we're to love less. That means of who? Who should we love less? Who should be loved more than our family? It's God, all right? No one should take a place above God uh, for the attention of our love, all right? And so that's what this the word hate is, is meaning. And it's in, if you understand it that way, then it makes a little more sense. And so, again, and then there is a time to fight. There's a time for peace. There's a time to, to stand up for what's right. There's a time to fight for your family. There's a time to fight for things. But there's also a time just to, you know, let's just make peace and let's move on. Through all of this, we remember that God is sovereign. Although life's journey might seem random at times, God is constantly moving behind the scenes, but also sometimes in the front to carry out his will for his glory. And this is hard sometimes to accept, but we need to understand that we are here for God. Okay, we are here for him to use our lives however he sees fit. It's not a pleasant message all the time to hear that because we understand that sometimes this life isn't fair. Sometimes life isn't fair. And this is, again, my Bible college I went to, my professor just stuck with me. You know, he always used to say, life is not fair, but God is always faithful. And you think about it, and you know, because I see things, I see when someone loses a child, like to, to something just out of the blue and you're sitting there like, it's just, not, it's not fair really. This child should have a full life here on earth, but, but God is always faithful. He's always faithful even through that. And to understand that there's times when it's just not gonna make sense to us. It's just not gonna make sense. But God is still working and moving. And if you stick the course, you stay on the course, and you keep moving, I don't want to say often, but, but sometimes you'll be able to turn around and you'll be able to look back and you'll get a glimpse at what God's plan was and what he was working. And as many of you know, we lost a child. And by the grace of God, we were able to get a small glimpse at what God did through that loss because it changed us it broke us and we would have never ever asked for that but God used it for his glory 
part of the reason that I'm standing here pastoring a church is because of a tremendous loss that we experienced years ago. Do you understand that? Whatever it is that you've gone through, whatever pain it is that you've gone through, as I've heard it said before, don't waste your pain. You're there, you're suffering, you're going through it. Don't waste it. But understand that God is doing something through that. He will use it for his glory. I promise you, he will. You just have to stay the course. Again, seasons, seasons of life. As we've moved through chapter three, we're gonna come into a section and we're gonna kind of get a snapshot of really what it looks like to live out life under the eye, the watchful eye of our creator, God. Verse nine, it says, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Verse 14, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. In verse 10, it says, I have seen the business sorry, that, yeah, that God has given to the children of man to be busy with, the busyness. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Now, again, God has given us a task, right? Who gave the children of man to be busy? God did. Are you working? Are you busy in life? whether it's in a formal job or if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're just doing something, if you're working, then that's what God has given us to do, okay? So understand that. It's not to make your life miserable. And in verse 11, it says that he has made everything beautiful in its time. I love this verse. I love this line. He has made everything beautiful in its time. The New Living Translation says it this way, that God has made everything beautiful for its own time. What does that mean exactly? Well, has anybody ever planted a flower before? Do you still have that flower? Not talking about the plant, but when the flower comes forth, the timer pretty much goes on, right? Some of them are a few days, maybe a week, you don't get this long. At some point, that flower is going to do what? It's going to wilt and die. And so what I believe that's, that's trying to be conveyed here is that God, again, makes everything beautiful for its season or for its time. If you are in a place in life right now where things are just firing on all cylinders and life is going well, Enjoy it. Enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with that. But understand that there's no guarantee what tomorrow holds. Every day people wake up and something's wrong and they go to the hospital and the doctor says, well, it's, it's cancer. And I bet you everything was fine everywhere else, moving right along, and suddenly something happens, right? The whole investment is gone. The business folds, right? There's things that we can see that we think it's a guarantee, but it's not. But God will continue, again, this idea of seasons. There are seasons. And so when you are experiencing this top end of things, enjoy it. We as mortal beings cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning of time 
to the end. He's given us a sense of past and future, but only to understand partially. And so again, this is where it's speaking of putting eternity into man's heart, but he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning. I mean, I remember as a kid, maybe, I don't know if you've done this, but you know, trying to think about eternity and to like walk it back, right? And you're just like, or to go forward. Well, I can, I can picture a hundred years. Maybe I could picture a thousand years, but can I picture like 5,000 years? Or more? Like, I mean, can you really grasp what eternity is? Can we really grasp that God has always been, but actually has, there's no beginning because he's always been? We can say it and we understand it to a point, but we can't really understand it, can we? Because we can't wrap our finite mind around something that large. My, I forget which teacher was, he always, one of those teachers that always messes with you, you know, and like how there's eternity between me and Rick. He didn't use your name at the time, but, you know, he's like, can you divide this distance in half? Well, like, yeah, sure, I can divide it in half. Well, can you divide that distance in half? Yeah, yeah. That way I'm not going to get close to you. So, and then he keep dividing it in half, dividing it in half, but you can always divide it in half, correct? Yeah. Right? And so just let your mind, it's like the whole, when the tree falls in the woods, does it really make a sound, right? Because you're not there to hear it. Just stuff just like that just really messes with you. But that's, those are the things, though, that God can answer and know right? He knows how this works. I don't know how it works, man. But, but he understands it because he understands eternity because he has always been and he always will be. It isn't until we give up on chasing the vapor, this, this hebel as we've talked about, right? This is this idea of meaningless. We talked about it, if you weren't here, just how kind of like the clouds and things like that, it looks like you can put your hand around it, but you really can't. The minute you try, it just sort of slips through everything. And that's really what this idea of when you, you know, you're controlling life, it's this idea of being hebel or vapor. You're not. It just has the look of it. But we need to stop chasing that, but we need to reorient ourselves, our lives towards God. Okay, towards God. And what do I mean by that? It's, again, I'm a, was a, in the military one of the things we had to do was land navigation, okay? We used a compass and a map, and we had to, they gave us some point on a map that was far away, and you had to do this in a certain amount of time. And so once they said go, you had to do four of these points. And so people took different approaches, but what they taught us, and I listened to what they said, was that you need to sit down and take your time, put your map out on the ground, get down there on your hands and knees, Pencil it out, measure it out, put your compass on there to figure out the degree that you're supposed to go. Because if you're just this much off, how many know when you start this much off, by the end of it, you're that much off. And all it is is a post in the ground that you've got to find, so it's not going to go well. And so you've got to really spend time and you would, you would get this azimuth straight so that you could figure out which direction to go. And then you shoot it. And then while you're going... You would pick a, something just where you could see it. You would get to that spot. You would stop and you'd reshoot again. And you go a little further and you stop and you reshoot again. And you keep going that way until you get to the point. Well, our lives are a lot the same way, aren't they? God gives us something. He puts us on a direction in a certain way, in a certain direction. And we go that way and we just head for that. But there's times when we need to stop and we need to reorient ourselves to what God is calling us to do and what God is saying. We can get caught up and like those guys that just took off on it, they just, and they took off running. I never saw them at the post. They didn't make it. They were lost. And so in life, we need to stop chasing the things that are of this world and we need to reorient ourselves to God and to his word. Verse 12 and 13. What is God's gift to us? Here it all is, right here. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, and that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. In his toil. We find our joy in our toil, we find our joy in work. Another way to spell it, if you look in the Hebrew and you, you research the text, it's spelled J-O-B. So, 
A lot of young people need to understand that what that term is. I, mean, I don't know where you're from, how it is there, but back home, I just see more and more this. It's a video game. That's all I can do right now. Playing video games, all that stuff. It's fun. It's good. But we do not take joy in that. There's nothing in that. I've beaten many video games in my time. But at the end of it, it's just like, oh, that's great. On to the next one. No, our joy is in work. Again, I'm not saying you have to get a job, but taking care of your home or taking care of your family, just something, that's where our joy comes from. God says that's where we find joy. And listen, there's nothing wrong with taking pleasure in that. A few of us in here, you may actually have the privilege to say that you enjoy your job. Is there anyone in here that can say that? A few. Okay, you can be real. There's no, well, there's cameras. So anyway, don't. <laughs> I don't know who's watching. But, I mean, I have to raise my hand. <laughs> but no, some of us get that pleasure, right? Some of us get to do something we just love to do and we get paid and it's just a win-win all around. So we get joy and we get to support a family and, and everything else in our life. Let's, kind of, let's move along here. Uh, verse 16. And let's take a look now at the, God's control. And it always comes in somewhere in all of our messages in the reality of death, because it's a fun topic. But verse 16, Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness, and in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may see that they, they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from dust, and all and to dust all return. Now listen, oftentimes we can all probably attest that we have seen injustice done. I mean, you don't have to look very far. You can look on the news and everything. There are times where the wealthy or the powerful can just kind of dodge the bullets of justice, where they seem to get around the system, where they, they aren't able to be gotten a hold of and, and have to pay, if you will, for their crimes. Okay, we see that. We see it on the other end of it, right? We see where those that are, they have less means, they struggle to attain justice for themselves. And it's frustrating, isn't it? It's frustrating. You probably see this even on a, a maybe a smaller scale, sometimes even in your jobs, where people are promoted or somebody gets a position that maybe didn't really deserve it, but because they know somebody, they have the connections or they have money or, you know, as they say, wasta here. They, you see these kinds of things happening and that's not fair, is it? It's not fair, is it? Make sure I'm in the right company, right? It's not fair. But it happens in this world and, and this is what you're hearing come out here is, is he's, he's writing it, he's seen this He's seen the wickedness even in the place of justice. You see, whenever people begin to see themselves as little g gods, suffering by others is inevitable. The only way a person can elevate him or herself above others is by stepping on others. And this is an epidemic, church, that we have. And if we are not vigilant against it, it'll creep into our own lives. What do I mean by making ourselves gods? Well, basically, it's just making it to where everything revolves around you. That you are the important one. That you need to have it your way. Everything just kind of functions. It's, it's a very selfish, and our culture is deeply seeded into this. Right? Turn on the TV, watch, watch commercials. <laughs> you've got to have this, you've got to have that. 
You know, it's just, it's part of what we need the next best thing. It's, it's all about us and ourselves and what we can gain. But the reality is that God is the ultimate grantor of justice. And he will bring it to everyone in the end. Because again, I don't care if you're sitting on a yacht out here in the Gulf or you're, you're living behind a dumpster and behind a building here somewhere in the city. We all will face death one day. Doesn't matter who you are, who you know, how much money you have or don't. We will all face that one day and we will all stand before God one day and be judged. Bottom line. God is the only one who can account for the past, so he alone accounts for the future. Everything man does, church, is fading. Do you understand that? Everything we do is fading. We're fading. (laughs) We build something, it's fading. From the minute it's built, it's slowly, we can maintain it and keep it going, but if you just leave anything, what does it do? It just begins to fade away, doesn't it? It rots, it crumbles, it falls. It's just the way it happens. Everything we do fades. We must live life finding joy in it as a gift from God. Okay? And receiving that joy itself is the reward that, that again, brings us life. What do I mean? Listen. You do not have to be here. What do I mean by here? On this earth. You do not have to be born. Life in itself is a gift. Let me say that again. Life in itself is a gift. It is a gift from God and it is precious. And my question to you today is, what are you doing with yours? What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with this gift that God has entrusted to you, that has given you? And there is joy in living. There's joy in living when we get the azimuth right. When we put God at the front, joy comes in life. This is why when Christians around the world that are being persecuted and meeting in secret and and have all this persecution, if you talk to them, do you have joy? They will say yes. And they probably will have a huge smile even amidst the persecution. Why? Because God is where they are pointed and that's who they are chasing. We lose our joy when we begin to pay attention to other things. We must stop trying to gain an advantage over the rest of creation. We must learn to find joy simply in living and understanding that it's life's ultimate reward. Like our life, the fact again that we woke up today, we should be joyful. God has given you another day around the, the whatever, circle. <laughs> another spin on the earth, right? We should be thankful for that. And, and as we we've go through this, and I'm sure maybe you've seen, is, is that Colette, as it's called, the teacher, he's called, doesn't really bring us a ton of answers about the future, okay? It's kind of left, we're left hanging on some things. There's not a lot of clarity at times. But this is, his point is not to answer the questions about his, our future. His point is to get us less focused on the future so that we can live in the present. Do you understand? Some of you, I say you because I don't, I can kind of flow with things, but some of you, and it's not bad, but some of you just need answers, don't you? You just sit there and your gears just turn and turn and turn and you've got to, and that's not a bad thing, but you've got to be careful because it's sometimes harder, I think, to just accept things on faith. <laughs> but it's, it's possible and you can. And there are answers, but just, you have to be able to stop at a place to understand that if you could figure it all out, you'd be God. <laughs> right? 
the God who created this universe, the God that holds the universe in his hand, so to speak, we're supposed to be able to understand it with, what is it, three pounds of meat, whatever that is in here, brain. Dr. Joshua, do you know how many pounds it is? It's a few. Three, yeah. So with this little thing up here, we're supposed to be able to grasp an infinite God, right? You know, you're going to run into those things, and that's okay. So don't waste your time trying to figure all that out out there. Figure out what's going on here. <laughs> Live in the now and in the present and enjoy life. But sadly, we are living in a day where the only people or the person that people ultimately trust are ourselves. Have you noticed that? I'm pretty sure if you talk to somebody a little further on in years, they probably remember the day before the internet. And if you needed to know an answer, you'd go ask somebody and you'd probably take what that person had to say, you know? If you're like, go to somebody, hey, I need to build a house. You're living in a house. I think you built it. Could you tell me how to do that? You probably would accept it. But now it either has to come from us or Google to be of any value, right? <laughs> and so we've kind of, again, we've, we've removed this, this trust in, in other sources. And because of that, we sometimes question the word of God. Can I really trust what's in here? Can I take it for face value and for what it is? The short answer to that is yes. Is yes. You can trust the word of God. I want to wrap up our time here just briefly with a, a video. And I just want your, your eyes, if they will, can just go to the screen. And I just want you to look at what's happening here. First glance, our eyes are immediately taken to the motion of the fog reminiscent of the vapor we've been talking about maybe in, in the study of Ecclesiastes. Here for a moment, gone the next. But as I watched this, something else stood out to me. In every single image that you're going to see, there's something there that is a constant. It might be a bridge, it could be a building, it could be a hillside. But something is standing there, enduring through the moving masterpiece. And so it is with God's truth. J.I. Packard writes this. He said, God's truth does not change. People sometimes say things that they do not really mean simply because they do not know their own mind. Also because their views change, they frequently find that they can no longer stand behind things that they said in the past. All of us sometimes have to look back and take back our words because they have ceased to express what we think. Sometimes we have to eat our own words because hard facts refute them. The words of human beings are unstable things, but not so the words of God. They stand forever as abidingly valid expressions of his mind and thought. No circumstances prompt him to recall them. No changes in his own thinking require him to amend them. When we read our Bibles, therefore, we need to remember that God still stands behind all the promises and demands and statements of purpose and words of warning that are there addressed to New Testament believers, to us. These are not relics of a bygone age, but an eternally valid revelation of the mind of God toward his people in all generations. So long as this world lasts, our God himself has told us the scripture cannot be broken from the gospel of John. Nothing can annul God's eternal truth. The interesting part to me is that it is because of this steady, fixed, solid, unceasing object in every scene that warrants the moving vapor to become something so breathtaking and mesmerizing. Without this fixture, one could not completely take in everything else, and it would all truly seem meaningless. God is overall, and he has given us his word as a constant 
in our lives. It is always there. He is always there. If we will but take a moment to step back and notice. Is life moving at a high rate of speed for you today? Are uncertainties mounting that you simply have no control of? If you can pause for just a few breaths, find a moment of silence somewhere and look to the one who is constant, who has been constant and who always will be constant. He will bring meaning, the true meaning to life. God is our constant church. God is ever present. In some of these scenes, it's, it's hard to pick up where that is. But what I thought about is at times I thought, pictured myself on one of these mountains or on one of these objects and thought how interesting and neat it would be as that vapor, that fog kind of just went over. But if you've ever been in fog before, you realize when you're in it, there's really nothing there, is there? It loses the beauty. It's only from standing at a distance that you're able to see the solid and the constant. And that is God in your life. There's a Latin phrase where a lot of us are probably familiar with called carpe diem. Seize the day. And while its origins maybe do more to say, just go do everything you want, but from a biblical standpoint, There should be this patient and joyful embrace of daily life as it comes to us, as a gift from God. It is our worshipful response to the God of creation. We must move from a me-centered universe to a God-centered universe. And this is what it means to deny ourselves and to take up our cross. You see, one of the questions or thoughts I always have, or have, yeah, I still have it, I know the answer, but is when we said yes to Jesus, when he entered our, our life and he made us whole and restored relationship, why couldn't we just be ejected out of the world at that point? <laughs> right? I mean, don't we have the, the key to get in? I mean, we have got the ticket, right? Why couldn't it have been like that? There's a reason that you are still walking on this earth and you're still here and you're sitting in this place today in this country at this time. Do you understand that? God could have designed it that way, but he didn't because he has a purpose and a plan for your life. You are on mission in this place. What are you doing for the glory of God in your life? Have you lost your way a bit? Do you need to put that compass down? Do you need to pull your Bible out, spend time and, and find that line again to what God has called you to do? You came here, most of us came here for a job but God brought you here for much, much more. And in all the busyness and the craziness that this place brings, and believe me, it's a lot. I've seen it, I know it, and I understand it. Do not lose sight and focus of what God has called you to. And it's much bigger than yourself. I promise you that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful. You are faithful even when life is unfair at times. God, that you've brought us to this place, that you've brought us to this country, but Lord, that with the fact that we're standing here together right now, worshiping with one another, your great name. Lord, we are so thankful for that.
God, I pray for each one here today, Lord God, that this message has spoken to them in some way. God, if their lives are just busy right now, Lord God, I pray that it's been an encouragement for them to just find time to be alone with you, to to open your word again and to refresh, Lord, their purpose in life, to not lose focus because, Lord, we open the door even just a little bit and this world just comes crashing in and the noise of the the busyness and the things that we have to do and our work and the our schedules, God, it can just drown out the voice of your spirit speaking to us. God, I pray that many here have heard your voice again today, that they've gained perspective and that there's a clarity that's come. God, I lift up those today that are in the valley, that are in a struggle, that are in a difficult situation. God, I pray that they're able today to lift their heads up, that they're able to turn their eyes forward and up to you. That they realize the valley is not a place that they have to stay, but it's only a season. And God, life will bring difficult seasons, God, but we know that you promise that you will bring us rest, that you will lead us by still waters and to green pastures. So God, whatever it looks like today in our lives and the lives of the people here, we put our hope, our faith, our trust, and everything we have in you. God, where we've tried to take it from your hands and and somehow just muscle our way through on our own and our own strength, God, forgive us. Because Lord, it says that in your word, it says when we are weak, you are made strong. So God, we just lift up those here who are hurting today. Let them know your peace today, the peace of God that passes all understanding. And God, we just thank you for what it is you're working through the situations they're going through. And Lord, for those that are on the mountaintop, God, I pray that they are refreshed and they are renewed. And God, I pray, Lord, that they don't lose sight of you while they're on top. Rest is good and those moments in life are, are great. But as we've read, it, it just it is a season and there will be times when challenges will come and you you may be calling them to push through those and let us not shirk back father god from any challenge that stands in the way of accomplishing your will lord we're, th- we're privileged to be a part of your plan and we thank you for it I ask you to bless each one here today and in the upcoming week father god in jesus name